Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. We've got your mailbag questions answered today 100% correct or your money back. We'll get to those in just a minute. Um, but first, we didn't get a chance to check about this yesterday. Richard Sherman, the Pro Bowl defensive back, his season is over with the Bucks. They have put him on injured reserve for the second time. You can't do it twice and bring a guy back, obviously. This time with an Achilles injury that's been bothering him for several weeks. And, you know, he's going to remain with the team in a coaching capacity. And that's, that's probably what he's done the best um, since he's been here is we've, we've called him coach Sherm, coach Sherman. And it's really, I'll be honest with you. I I'm so been so impressed with a guy who's going to be a first ballot pro football hall of famer, I believe uh, in five years, assuming he doesn't play another season. And for him to, you know, have the humility and, and sort of, you know, just be, a mentor for a very young secondary, you know, who really didn't have anybody older than say Carlton Davis. It's been really fun to watch. And those guys have benefited from him and to a man they, they talk about, of course he, he walks in with such reverence because of, you know, they grew up watching him in the Legion of boom and the Seattle Seahawks. And then, you know, this is a guy that's been to three Super Bowls, should have won two with the Seahawks, but lost uh, the one to Tom Brady on the goal line there in the second time uh, that he, that he was in the, in, in the Super Bowl, But Sherm is, um, you know, he, he's, he came in a good time for them. I mean, if you remember, he had not had a training camp or a preseason or anything. And I remember the day he walked in, it was a Wednesday and they were playing the Patriots that Sunday. It was a huge game, obviously Tom Brady returning to new England, maybe the, maybe the most celebrated game of the season. And, they didn't have anybody. I mean, they they were decimated in the secondary. And we asked him, you know, would it be realistic to think he could play much in the first game at New England? He goes, well, that probably wouldn't be very wise. I mean, I literally just got here, got off the plane. This is my first practice, yada, yada. Not only did he play, he played well, and he played all but like one snap on defense. And I think he had seven tackles and a fumble recovery. Now, when I say you know, it wasn't the Richard Sherman we remember, right? I mean, he kept they kept everything in front of them. Um, you know, he he didn't make a ton of plays on the ball, if any, and they completed some passes on him. But at the end of the day, they hung in there. They won the game, nineteen seventeen, and he was key. Um, unfortunately, they played him the next week too, and then the third game they played within a span of say twelve days. His hamstring said, "Nah, not doing it." <laughs> it just gave up on him. And so he came out of that game pretty quickly. And he, then he missed a bunch of games, you know. And, and But he came back, and I think it was against the Buffalo Bills. They had moved him to safety because that's where they were were a little thin. And he was in in some six defensive back sets. And he ended up with an interception in that game. So he, he contributed, but he did more so off the field than on. And, um, you know, there's a lot of these guys throughout Bucks history, which unfortunately I've witnessed way too closely, that have, you know, you forget they were through here, right? I mean, a guy like 
For example, you know, we're not going to remember, you know, when he goes to the Hall of Fame, they'll be talking mostly about Seattle and San Francisco and the Super Bowls he went to, not so much about Tampa, although Tampa may go to one. But you forget that a guy like Anthony Munoz was a Buccaneer. Everybody goes, what? Yeah, Anthony Munoz, maybe the greatest tackle of all time, um, was here with Sam Weich one preseason. They were playing the Miami Dolphins in Orlando. There was a fumble. He went to recover it and tore his ACL never played again. And, you know, you got guys like that from Joey Browner to, you know, uh, who is the Washington uh, Washington Redskins defensive end? I'm trying to think. Dexter Manley, mm-hmm. you know, just all these characters that have come through Tampa Bay. But like Sherm, I mean, Sherm's is one of the best, you know, obviously, you know, royalty in, in the NFL in terms of defensive backs. And um, it's a shame his, his year is over. And, and, and yet, I like I said, he's. Uh, they're delighted to to have him stick around, and he and he was out there uh, on on Wednesday, and he was coaching, and and he'll do so throughout the playoffs. All right, some other news uh, with the Bucks. You've got uh, you know the injury situation is still a little murky. It's still too early in the week. Bruce Arians did say that uh, Cyril, Cyril Grayson and Ronald Jones, both those guys, Grayson with a hamstring, Jones with an ankle, uh, should both be doubtful for Sunday. So. Um, that's obviously not a good sign after Wednesday's practice. This is a walkthrough practice. Nobody did anything. So what what they managed to do is take a couple guys and begin their 21-day sort of practice out of IR. And, and I, I suspect a couple of these guys will come back. Shaq Barrett was out there in a knee brace, however, which looked a little daunting because I've not seen him in a knee brace, but his right knee in a brace. And then um, Levante David did the walkthrough as well. And Leonard Fournette, who I think is probably the closest one to come back and be playing, he also was out there. These guys can be activated at any time within this 21-day period. Um, I think in the case of Fournette and Shaq Barrett, they'll probably both be a go uh, for Sunday. We'll see about David. And and, in many ways, he might be one of the most important pieces they could get back. So it's going to be kind of that week where you know there'll be some good news there'll be some bad news but mostly trending good on some of the key starters uh the other thing that we don't know about and it's way too early uh, having grown up in florida i know this because i've experienced it over and over again but the forecast for sunday around one o'clock is not good (laughs) it's it's eagles weather um it's gonna a cold front's gonna move through and there's gonna be a good bit of rain on sunday in the afternoon and in the morning and I believe uh, the biggest thing is going to be wind gusts, uh, 20 to 30 miles an hour plus. So windy, blustery day, potential rain. That would seem to favor a team that likes to run the ball the way the Eagles do. I mean, they're the number one rush team in the NFL. Of course, the Bucks have been a good rush defense up until lately. So, you know, the, the, the positive is that Tom Brady has played in far worse conditions than what he's going to experience on Sunday. At least it'll be probably 65, 70 degrees until that front moves through. So from that standpoint, it won't be ice and snow coming down. But um, they're going to have to, you know, it's tough on receivers. I remember the other rain game they really had this year was the New England game. And uh, a lot of them struggled to catch the ball, especially Mike Evans. And we talked to Mike the other day, and he said, well, you know, they got gloves for the rain, and you've got to make sure you got the right gloves on or go with no gloves at all, which is unusual for those guys. But – could could favor the Eagles a little bit. And what it also does is it negates the pass rush some. Um, it becomes a stalemate. When you can't get good footing, it's hard to have a pass rush. 
that's a win for the offensive line. That might actually help Brady in this instance. Um, obviously, it would hurt the Bucks' pass rush, but you know Jalen Hurts is a guy's going to run around anyway, and and Tom needs a clean pocket. And if guys can't tee off, they usually rush four with Philadelphia. They play a lot of coverage, a lot of eight man, uh, six seven man coverage. Um, so they they try to keep things in front of them, but. Uh, the weather, the weather could be a factor, which is too bad, right? Because this is the time of year where we have our best weather. And if you if you looked at the calendar and just threw a dart at it and said, "Where's the rain day?" or "Where's the rain window?" you'd be hard pressed to find it Sunday at one o'clock. But that's that seems to be at this point anyway um, where we're headed. Other news and uh, with the Bucks, they reworked the contract of Indomitian Sue. Remember, Steve Antonio Brown was complaining about he wanted. His performance bonuses guaranteed the last week, and that that became sort of a thing, right, with him. Mm-hmm. Uh, he was very close to getting, uh, I think, a half a million dollars, a quarter million dollars, with just that was a million, you know, seven was, or eight more catches. He was close to a million, a million, three yeah. different bonuses total. Yeah, that's right, that's right, a million dollars. And and if he had just played, I think he would have got that. Um, but what the Bucks did was they reworked in Tomkins Sue's deal to make him eligible for a bunch of playoff incentives that were going to be triggered with playtime that he was just shy of. I think he needed, what, 65% of the snaps, you said? Correct, and he had 64.18%. So so they rounded up, and, and they said, okay, we'll, we'll make you eligible for these. And um, the way it works is I think you know each round they advance, he, he makes a little money, and they go to the Super Bowl. I think he can make a million dollars. So... Um, so you know this this Browns notion of you know I I'll be honest with you they I mean they ran you know two pop passes we talked about this for him to get two hundred fifty thousand dollars we saw Brady not come out of the game go back in and throw one more pass to Gronkowski to get him his million in the in the last game now, this team and this franchise has you know pretty much said to anybody hey anybody got any, any incentives on the line and if they find out you do they try to get them to you you know they try to get them for you and. Records too. I mean, Mike Evans the same thing with a thousand yards receiving every year. So um, I give them credit, you know, for for doing that. And Sue's Sue's had a really solid year, um, you know, for for a guy that's uh, played as long as he has, and you know, on a one year deal. One of the reasons they brought all these guys back for one more year, see if they can win a Super Bowl. Now it's that time. So um, we'll see. So last night I'm watching the Tampa Bay Lightning against the Buffalo Sabres, and I don't know how good Buffalo is. I don't think they're very good. Um, I haven't seen them play until I, I, it looked like to me, Steve, that, that the Lightning were just so much faster, um, just in terms of the way that, you know, they were, they were controlling the game, getting the pucks, but Nikita Kucherov, what second game back and he drops a hat trick on him. Yeah. Well, you know, he's incredible. Um, the the lightning the buffalo's not a very good team they're young yeah. they've got some pieces yeah. and they're starting to give those pieces a taste of the NHL uh jack quinn made his NHL debut against the lightning um on tuesday night and and they're starting to give uh-huh. some of their young guys that the the taste of the NHL and and get ready for you know i think next year they think they can start to make that turn and become a good team but they're not a good team now the lightning Coming off the Boston game where Boston took it to them and played a tremendous game against them, you kind of knew the Lightning were going to be motivated, yeah. um, and they definitely showed yeah. it. Um, you know, I mean, you know, it was it was over early, 
Um, you know, and, and Nikita Kucherov, some of those shots and passes are just he's so incredible to watch. Yeah, he's fine. And Stamkos, I think, had three more points. He's he's had a fantastic year. If he can stay healthy, the captain has played some really great hockey without obviously Braden Point and Kucherov for the longest of times. Now that they're whole, um, you know, the Boston game notwithstanding, we yeah. talked about that. They obviously were motivated and, and came out on fire. But um yeah, just they, they they look kind of ticked off, like they were, they were going to take it out on somebody, and Buffalo was next, and uh, they went out there and played really really well. So they got, let's see who they got. They got a game on tonight against Vancouver. Luke Shen comes back tonight. to town, gets his ring tonight. Nice. You know that's one of the coolest things I think they've done. I was at a game, and I'm trying to think of uh, uh, which player came back. You were at the Barclay Goodrow game, game on New Year's at. Eve, weren't you? Yes, Barclay Goodrow, who and they were showing. Of course, he, he, he played fantastic, obviously, in the Stanley Cup. Maybe he had one of the most famous goals uh, in that, that whole uh, final. But um, one of the coolest things they do is, is honor those guys and, and give them their rings. And, and they showed the, you know, sort of the backstage in, in, the, in the locker room or whatever and, and his former teammates. And it's really heartfelt, you know. Um, Yanni Gord and, and went through that, too. And Yanni's ovation might have been the loudest I've heard. But... Um, just good for Tampa Bay fans, right? Good for the fans, good for the player to get that 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 honor. You see the other team, you know, on, on on the ice, you know, banging their sticks as well. And it's you know, it's not just a you know, a quick, hey, welcome back. You know, so it's like a video, man. It's like they take they stop the period in, in between periods when there's stoppage and they do it the right way. And it's just really, you know, again, first class organization, you know, with Jeffrey Vinnick and everything. But I enjoy those. I think that's the way you should recognize a guy that's been a champion for you. All right, we'll start with Michael, who asked, why is Bruce Arians telling the Eagles who is playing and who isn't? Well, I mean, technically he doesn't, He, you know, it was going to come out on the injury report. We talked to him on Wednesday, probably about 1245. Um, he didn't tell him who wasn't playing. He said that a couple guys were doubtful. But I think, you know, they can look at the tape or read the papers and know that, you know, it didn't look good for Cyril Grayson. And by four o'clock, three hours later, that injury report is filed and the whole league sees it, you know, and there was about, like, I think there was over about over a dozen guys on that injury report, if I'm not mistaken. Now today was a walkthrough practice. So you sort of project since no one's really doing anything was, it's hard to say, you know, well, you know, Levante David practice. Well, they didn't do anything, right? So you're not, it's a walkthrough. He could stand there with everybody else. So you're projecting that if you had had a full practice, you know, which guys would have been, you know, participating, limited, um, did not participate, that sort of thing. And you really don't have to assign their status until Friday when the report comes out. And that's when you get the questionable, doubtful, out, you know, that kind of thing. Um, but, but, you know, for the most part, I, I, I think the league, they got to prepare for you, whether your guys playing or not. I mean, that's, that's the bottom line. Like you can't, how much of an advantage is it to know that Cyril Grayson's not going to play? I mean, maybe a little bit, but that you, there's still going to be Brashard Perriman's out there. You still gotta, you still gotta cover Tyler Johnson. You know, last time I checked, they put up 41 with those guys and only had the ball one possession in the first quarter against Carolina and still put up 41. So, you know, um, they don't get all caught up. Here, here's what they know. They know that 
you know, certain guys aren't walking through the door. Chris Chris Godwin's not going to play. <laughs> That's what they know. Okay. Um, or with Ronald Jones or somebody like that. Okay. But, but you know, they'll be more interested in, in preparing and will prepare for Leonard Fournette and what they did with Lenny uh, because there's a chance he'll play. I mean, you, you have to prepare for the whole roster. Uh, I don't, I don't know that there's a ton of, you know, intelligence gained um, one way or the other with injury reports. Cause I, I don't think, I don't think teams trust them. I mean, I've seen guys, you know, be doubtful on a, on a Friday show up Saturday in the walkthrough. I mean, that there was to some extent that was Antonio Brown last week. I mean, Antonio Brown did a walkthrough on Wednesday, missed Thursday and Friday, showed up Saturday, looked pretty good and they played him and then they quit playing. But, um, so you just, it, it's hard to really gauge that. I think, you know, advantage or disadvantage, maybe if it was a quarterback, um, something like that. But even then you got to prepare for both guys. All right. Brian asked, as great as it is to have as many players coming back for the Eagles game, is there any chance that the lack of recent game reps with the aforementioned injured players could lead to a slow start on Sunday? Absolutely. Absolutely. There is. Um, now having said that, those guys didn't play last Sunday, and it was about as slow a start as you could ask for. So I don't know how much slower it can get uh, than when they were gone altogether. So the hope is that, and, and, and we've talked about this, you know, the mere fact that Shaquille Barrett is going to play, let's say, and everybody's going to be like, yay, Shaquille's going to play. We got Shaquille. Okay, couple things. Did he practice? How did he practice, Right. And when he does play, are you getting Shaquille Barrett? Because if he's not the same guy, if he's 20% less or 10% less, you know, at that position, that might be all the difference. Are you better off going with, and this guy's hurt right now, he's got an ankle injury, Anthony Nelson or or Joe Tryon Shawinka, right, than, say, a Jason Pierre-Paul hasn't played in three or four weeks. And and he went into the injury, uh, you know, already – nicked up with the shoulder and hadn't done much before that. So I I do believe that – and Tony Dungy always said this, and I kind of – not many coaches go for this, right? They want their guys, right? They want they want the starters, and, and, and you get that. There's guys that are starters for a reason, and there's backups for a reason. Um, but Dungy used to be a guy that would rather have somebody who practiced during the week, um, and maybe he's a lesser player, but he's he's, you know, prepared. You know, physically, mentally, all that. Now, there's not much physicality to practice right now because there's nobody in pads and, you know, all of that. Because, I mean, you're 18 weeks going into 19 weeks into it. But um, something to be said for, you know, somebody that's been in the fire lately. And, you know, for a few of these guys, Leonard Fournette and some others, yeah, I mean, it may take them um, a few series. You know, that rhythm might not be there. They're They're testing out. Uh, in the case of Fournette, you're you're testing the hamstring. You're you know you haven't been uh, in the fire while you you know coming back from an injury. You know Shaq Barrett, how much confidence does he have on that knee? He's wearing a knee brace. He doesn't wear a knee brace, right? So that that's cumbersome. That's something that's going to change sort of how he feels when he's playing. Um, so there's a mental hurdle. So I I think in some cases. You know, you might be better off, but they'll have to, you know, that's one of those things you have to watch and analyze. You certainly want them out there uh, if they can help you. But then there's also, you know, the other side of it is let's take Levante David. Now, you know, Kevin Minter 
has played a lot of football. He's a veteran. He's not a starter for a reason in this league. He hasn't played that great of late, right? Um, but if Levante David physically isn't any better than Kevin Minter at this stage because of his injury, what you do get with Levante David is leadership. What you do get is that guy that can quiet the huddle, right, that's not going to panic, that might be able to be a, a positive influence on – you know, the rest of the defense. And, you know, that's that's huge, including Devin White. You know, Devin White has struggled. So maybe just Levante's voice in the huddle, um, little keys, little little things. He's, he's played so much football, things he recognizes on the fly, things he can cover up. Even if he's not 100%, that's, that's a, you know, certain positions uh, come with a lot of intangibles. So in that case, you're probably better off, you know, uh, if Levante can get out there. So it's it's really case by case, but I, I think you bring up a good point. I think sometimes the guys that have been playing, if they've been playing well, um, might be in a better position to start fast just because they've been, in, they've been in the fire of late. And these other guys are coming off injuries and they have a lot of questions marks. But, you know, your guys are your guys. And, and you want as many of your, you know, A-line players as you can get and hope that they can, you know, rise the level of their play and of your team's play back to what it should be. All right, Jim asked, so many hamstring injuries. Is this normal league-wide? Have other teams had just as many, or is it the Bucks' strength and conditioning team not doing something right? Well, we asked Bruce Arians this the other day, and he says, you know, well, we got the, you know, the best sports science that money can buy, and they've invested over a million dollars, I don't know, a million dollars a year, in the sports science, I mean, they monitor these guys. They they wear vests that track literally every step, how far they run, how fast they run in practice. Uh, recovery is a big deal, obviously. That's that's part of the whole um, idea behind the sports science. They monitor them very, very closely. However, and some, some years are just like this. Like some years, you know, the injury de jour seems to be uh, an MCL or a PCL, or maybe it's an Achilles or a hams, you know, or, or some, you know, calf injury or whatever. I would say this, I think in, for my taste, if this were just, if this were my club and it's not clearly, um, I think Bobby, uh, Slater does a great job. I know those guys over there, obviously Alex Guerrero is involved at some level too, but I would look at what we're doing. Because I think there's been – now, understand this. It's, it's a longer season, and these guys played longer than anybody besides the Chiefs, right? They they went all the way to the Super Bowl a year ago. Um, I don't know what they did in the offseason, but they played a lot of football, and you've got some older players as well. But it's not just the older players that are coming up with hamstring injuries. You know, I mean, Cyril Grayson it was a track star. He should know something about hamstrings. You got Roger Kingdom over there. You got a lot of coaches and a lot of guys that should be able to take care of this stuff. But I, I would want, I would question everything we're doing. From what are we, you know, what are we doing to our legs during the week, or are they getting enough recovery? Or, and this could be possible too. And I, I'm not, again, I'm not in the sports science end of it. I have no degrees in this area. But are they not running enough? You know, in other words. They've shut it down these last few weeks during the week, and that's to give them their legs back because it's a long 
damn season and and they're gassed and and you have to you know it's the cumulative effect it's what happened in september october november that's kicking your butt in january right it's all those routes it's all those practices it's all those games that you've played but in trying to give these guys their legs back are they you know going from walkthroughs to hey i'm, I'm going to run 60 miles an hour now and then there, there's a problem there i don't know Again, unless you're in that field, it's 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 easy to question and hard to prove. But in the past, in covering this league, when there's been a lot of similar injury, whether it's hamstrings or you know it could be any any rash of injuries in some area, they always look at what they're doing from a strength and conditioning standpoint. And I think I think the Bucks will. Um, it's hard to do in season, but I'll bet you they look at everything in the off season for sure. All right, Luis tweeted us. What's the one thing from a game plan perspective that you think would hurt the Bucks this weekend? Players aside, what can Philly do to knock the Bucks out? Well, I think what they can do is what they do really well, and that's run the football. Um, you know, they're a team that has completely changed since they played them October 14th. I mean, schematically, philosophically, every way that you can change. Uh, and and I, I credit, we talked to Nick Sirianni on Wednesday, I credit him and his staff for making that adjustment. And the way they're running the football uh, and the guys they're running it with, you know, are spectacular. I mean, Miles Sanders ha- is one of the best backs in the league now. And he was not getting a ton of work before the Bucks played him. The way they've decided to do it is that the run game goes through their quarterback, goes through Jalen Hurts. And whether it's RPOs or designed runs, whatever they, they want to decide to do, he's so good at it, and he creates big gaps and big problems with the ball fakes, um, with pulling the ball out of the running back's you know, stomach and then, and then making throws with the bootlegs, the waggles, and you're just getting the edge. When he gets around the edge, he's so fast and so dangerous. Um, And, you know, typically you don't – you know, you usually don't say, well, I'm going to spy the quarterback, right? Because, okay, who are we not covering? we got two linebackers, two inside linebackers. And so if they have a running back who drifts out in the flat for a pass, one of those guys has – somebody's got to cover him. They have a tight end that does something, and somebody's got to cover him. So now you're using defensive backs or you're, you know, you're having to you know, do some things with your outside linebackers instead of rush the passer. So it's very difficult for say, hey, we're going to watch the quarterback. I've seen it done, but in the RPOs with a quarterback that's effective throwing the ball, and I think Hertz has gotten a lot better. You know, in that game they played up there, um, they got off to a big lead, 28-7. to And I think it ended up 28-23 or something like that. Uh, they made their sort of their run in the second half, and they and and since then, you know, I mean, they wound up winning six of their last eight in the last game. They they basically didn't play anyone against Dallas, and sort of tanked. So this this was a hot football team. It is a hot football team, but you know they're averaging a hundred. I think they had, I think they had six games where they had a hundred and seventy five yards plus running the football. I mean, that is a ton of yardage. So how do they beat them? They run the ball and they, and they keep Tom Brady on the sidelines. I mean, the other day, talk about a slow start. 
for the second straight game, the Bucks had the ball one possession in the first quarter. I mean, one possession. Three, not even one possession. Heck, they had it three plays. Okay? It wasn't like they got a first down or two. They had it three plays. Let me assure you, if you can do that for a couple quarters, they ain't scoring 30 points against you. And that's what the Bucks have to do to win. And I don't think the Bucs have lost when they score 30 or more in a long, long time. So the best way for Philly, and their defense is good enough. Like you, you know, they, they're not going to give you the home run. So like you're going to have to, you know, if you got behind, if they were running the ball and you got behind him and you wanted some quick strikes, you're not going to get them because they play coverage. They play a lot of coverage, man. They, they, they get pressure with their front four. Fletcher Cox and those guys, Fletcher's a million years old. But they still got some remnants of their Super Bowl teams, of their team from three years ago, and they they get after the quarterback, and they can do it with four. And when you can when you can get home on four and play, drop that many into coverage, you only got five receivers, right? So do the math. I mean, that's all football is, right? It's a math problem, and I don't do math, so I don't know why I'm covering football. But I know this: that if I got five eligible receivers, and they got seven guys to cover them, two of my guys are doubled. So that's a bad place to start, right? I'm going to sit there and hold the ball, and eventually those four guys are going to get home. And that's sort of what they do. So I think the, the Bucks will be patient. They'll have to be patient. They're going to double Mike Evans. That's the first thing we know. Um, you know, they had Antonio Brown the last time they played the Eagles. They don't have him now. They didn't have Rob Gronkowski. They do have him now, which is a big plus. But I don't think you're going to see the middle of the field left open the way Carolina did it because Carolina brought a ton of blitzes inside and the whole middle of the field was open. That's why Rob went nuts. So it's going to be it's going to be a, a challenging game. So I think I think the game plan. You know, you don't really change your personality necessarily. You got to be able to win a lot of different ways. But you know, in the case of the Eagles, they're going to come here and try to run the football. Everybody knows it, and no one's been able to really stop them since about I don't know mid mid season. So, you know, and the Bucks have been leaky on run defense. I mean, their run defense, was it four out of the last six weeks they've given up 100 yards to a team? And and that, you know, happened one or two times a season the last two years. So, and you know, I think injuries is the biggest part of that. But nonetheless, um, you know, you mix in some bad weather, um, you know, some drop passes, some balls that get caught in the wind, a missed kick here or there. Oh, yeah. Yeah, this is the playoffs, man. Like, like – all, right now, every turnover can beat you because you're not playing bad football teams. They're all good now. And when you make mistakes against good teams, they will beat you. So um, I assure you, the Eagles aren't coming in here. They're not afraid of the Bucks. You know, this they see this as an opportunity for a young team to, you know, to, to show what they're going to be about, and, and they're going to play loose, and, and there's a little bit of pressure. Um, I think it helps the Bucks being at home, home field advantage. But they absolutely can do it, and they're going to do it if they do it. They'll do it, you know, their way. They'll do it running the football. This Mother's Day, celebrate the extraordinary women in your life with a heartfelt gift from Blue Nile. Whether it's for your mom, a mother figure, or yourself as a mom, find that perfect piece to express your love and appreciation. Explore Blue Nile's exquisite pearls and mesmerizing gemstones that she's sure to love. Enjoy fast shipping options like guaranteed free shipping and returns. Make this Mother's Day unforgettable with a piece from Blue Nile. Right now, get up to 50% off at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. All right, Ellis tweeted us. 
Do you think we'll see more hurry-up offense from the Bucks in the playoffs? It was painfully obvious what was working and what wasn't against the Panthers in the season finale. You know, I do. I don't know if they'll start that way. I've seen them start that way. Um, and, and I've seen them do it for the very reason you're talking about because um, they have had some, you know, like we just mentioned, some really bad starts. And it seems as if when they go to no huddle, when they go to hurry up, does a couple things, right? It, it keeps the other uh, team from substituting, okay? Uh, when you're when you're changing plays at the line of scrimmage and you, you're going with the same guys and you're not substituting yourself, that prevents them from getting in new personnel. And so the longer you can hold the ball, those big guys get tired. Um, you know, let's say they start out and you go, you go three tight ends, you're heavy, uh, and so they match it, you know, with, with their heavy personnel. Um, but they're having trouble containing Gronkowski and Brait, you know, because two of your tight ends are really good pass catchers, and that's a good matchup against their linebackers or their safety or whatever. Um, you stay with it. You know, you can't – they can't make changes to try to adapt to that um, if you're having success. And it just – I like it because I think that Tom – you know, I know Byron Leftwich, you know, he's a coordinator, game planner, calls plays, all that, right? Great. But when you're in no huddle, your quarterback, as much as anything, is calling the plays. And Tom does that a lot anyway because he reads the coverage so well that, you know, he's going to get them into the right play. Because there's usually a number of plays that, you know, he has the ability to call uh, even if it comes in on his headset as one thing. And, and I just think that, you know, he's at his best when he's sort of that conductor out there and that, you know, understanding what they're doing. And, and it's hard, you know, like I said, it's hard to, to, to be, you know, hey, we're going to blitz this time. Now we're playing cover two. Now we're playing quarters. It's hard to, to make those adjustments as a defense, especially on the road, because, you know, the Bucks should have a mostly or predominantly Buccaneer crowd there that for playoff football should be very loud. So, you know, not only is your defense out there on the field in a no-huddle situation, but the communication's tough. So how many, how many different things can you do if they're at the line of scrimmage ready to snap the ball, right, and you can't hear and you can't communicate? That's also a, a good tactic. So I, I do think that we're going to see some up-tempo, you know, uh, probably early in this game to try to get a rhythm as much as anything. You know, just get – Get some first downs, get some positive plays, um, and get a rhythm. And that's sort of what they've lacked. Uh, you know, they had it. Like, remember that game, uh, Atlanta? They played up there, and, and they ran 13 straight pass plays. Now, I know for a fact, when they sat down that week, they didn't say, you know what we should do? We should come out and throw 13 straight times. You know, that was Brady. And they got into the no huddle, and Brady – checked a lot of those plays to passes and they went down the field and, and they, you know, they had a drive, went down, scored uh, first time they had the ball. And they've done that a lot. They just haven't done it of late. You know, they're, they're capable um, of, of taking the football and scoring, you know, now, the last couple times that they won the toss, they asked, they wanted to play defense, but you know, because of that, they got the, the possession at the end of the first half and scored a touchdown, and then they got the possession to start the second half and scored a touchdown, and that's what you're after. That's why teams defer when they win the toss because they want the you know the analytics will tell you you're probably going to get the ball at the end of the half, and then you'll get it coming out the next half, and it's sort of a two for one. So, 
Um, we'll see. But, uh, yeah, I, I think up-tempo is something I would expect if I were the Eagles. Michael asked, will Byron Leftwich reach deep into the playbook to get receivers open, or are they going to run the same plays when Chris Godwin and Antonio Brown were in the lineup? Well, you never run the same plays without the same players. Um, you know, there's some things that those other guys can do, but there's also, I mean, we know, for example, CG, I mean, Godwin is unique, um, not just for their team, but in the league. I mean, there's there's very few, and Grayson had done it and done it pretty successfully when he, when he replaced him the first game um, as far as playing the slot, being physical, cracking down on linebackers, being a force in the run game, as well as, you know, making some combat catches over the middle. But you don't really have that guy, you know, so you got to do it a different way. Um, so I don't, you know, deep in the playbook, look, I saw some things last week that I think they've been waiting on. And actually he's been waiting to play. And one of those, one of those is Scotty Miller. It was at the end of the game. It was garbage time, whatnot. Okay, fine. But, I saw Scotty Miller get on the edge with his speed um, the way Antonio Brown can do. And he was a factor, you know, and I still, I still go back as just a year ago, this time he made the biggest play of the season was that you know, that deep ball in green Bay before the half, which I think absolutely that play won them the Packers game. So, you know, he's going to get an opportunity to play now. And Broussard Perriman's done some nice things. He's another big bodied guy. Uh, that's got speed, and and so I think you game plan around your personnel. I mean, they're not the same. You might see, you know, they've they've shown a lot of three tight end sets with Brait, with Gronk using Josh Wells, you know, going heavy and then play action off of that and throwing in the flat to Brait and trying to hit the seam route to Gronk. So they'll they'll mix it up. Uh, but listen, there's no reason to hold anything back now. Okay, it's this is if you've got a good play that you've been wanting to get to. And they'll script out their first 12 or 15. You don't always get to them. Just, you know, like I said, last week they had three plays. But um, I think, as Byron will tell you ad nauseum, my job is to get the players in position to make plays. And so that's that's what it is every week. And, and they'll do it again. But, uh, you know, will we see flea flickers and double reverses and, you know, wide receiver passes and stuff like that? No, I don't, I don't think we'll see that. Uh, haven't seen a gadget play in about three years here. Um, if Brady goes out for a pass, we can have another conversation. But yeah, I don't, I don't see that happening. I, I, I do think that uh, it'll be a, you know, it'll be fit to to whoever's out there, and and um, you know, he'll empty the tank. But their offense is their offense, and and it's just a matter of you know which guy's going to be playing on Sunday. All right, Jeff tweeted us. You mentioned that the Bucks playing at one on Sunday and how that was NFL speak for, quote, I want you to move forward. Was that a joke? If not, could you explain your read on the rest of the team's game times? Is it unfair the team's got a Saturday game? Um, well, a little bit because you have a short week. Now, both teams will have it, right? Unless you played, you know, I, I think everybody has the same number of days off. But, look, I, it was kind of a joke, but it's kind of not a joke. I mean, are we – let me just ask you this. Are we naive enough – to think that scheduling doesn't matter because it absolutely does matter. You know, you're talking about preparation time. Okay. There's only so many hours in the day. So if I'm playing Sunday night or in the case of the Cardinals and the Rams, they're playing Monday night. Okay. So when that game gets over 
and I know it's on the west west coast or whatever. But when that game gets over, you know, these other teams have have played on Sunday. They've had all day Monday to prepare and rest. And if they're playing on Sunday and you're playing on Saturday and you're on the road, which would be the case of the Rams coming to Tampa, tell me how that's not an advantage for Tampa. Not only that, but every hour matters. Okay, so if I have the 1 o'clock game on Sunday in Tampa and you're the Rams playing at 8 o'clock Eastern in California, you know, in California on Monday night, so I get to watch your game in real time, take notes, whatever. Um, I, I get an extra day of preparation, and you got to fly from the West Coast all the way out here. Now let's see what time, you know, it won't be a 1 o'clock game, but let's see what time the divisional game is when they if they play in Tampa. So absolutely it matters. Now, you know, is it rigged? Eh, it's, it's, I mean, they do it for, for audience. They do it for ratings. Um, you know, prime time, you can charge more. Obviously, you want your good matchups. I mean, that's why the Bucks had, what, five prime time games, right? You, you want those teams. So it, it was a disadvantage maybe to them throughout the year, um, you know, because that's, that's who your audience wants to see, and television runs the NFL. But – when you get to when you get to the playoffs, playoffs, and and they've added this Monday night wild card, I'm telling you, there wasn't any teams raising their hand saying, "Hey, can we play Monday night, and then have a short week to play our our, our next round if we win?" No, no. So they've given Tom Brady a nice little boost. Not to mention, the writers are thrilled as well. But I mean, Tom Brady likes to go to bed at nine o'clock. He does. That's what he does. Not doesn't mean he can't play at night. He'll play anytime, but he keeps his regular sleep patterns and regular routine. And so I think it is an advantage. Like I said, whether it's thought out or that way or not, you be the judge. But I don't believe in coincidences in, in, in football. All right, Zane asked, do you know if any team has requested to speak with Mike Greenberg for a GM position? I don't know that they have. I think I would have heard if they had. I mean, these guys are pretty good. You know, they all have agents, and the agents love, underline love. Like, if I'm if I'm Mike Greenberg's agent and a, and a team asks for permission to speak to him, I'm telling Adam Schefter as soon as I find out. And Adam's going to put it out there because maybe there's another team that thought, hmm. So, you know, Team X say the Giants want to talk to Mike Greenberg. You know what? We got a GM opening. Maybe maybe they know something we don't. Maybe we should, you know what? Let's ask for permission to talk to him too. So, yeah, I mean, I and I don't know that any team has. We would know by now if that's Kurt. They absolutely should. I'll tell you who else they should talk to if I were running a football team is John Spitek. I'm floored that no one has asked to talk to that guy and interview that guy. Like, seriously, like, you know, Jason Light, all the credit in the world, right? You're the GM. You're the guy who's making the – you get all the blame and all the credit, okay, because you're the GM. Let me assure you, if you look at this year with the injuries that they have had, really over the last two years, but this year in particular, John Spitek, who's the vice president of player personnel for the Bucks, and he's essentially Jason's right-hand man, he's the guy with his scouting staff and his – uh, group of personnel people that are actually deciding and combing the bushes, you know, to try to find Pierre Desir, right? To try to find 
and it wasn't hard to find him, but Richard Sherman, or to bring in Le'Veon Bell, you know, and and to bring in, um, you know, all these different guys, uh, you know, last year trading for, uh, uh, who was it, Stevie McClendon, you know, understanding what they need, how many plays they need these guys for, and then and then getting them, and and you know, keeping the train moving forward. And it's been a challenging, challenging year. And when I talked to Spy Tech about all the injuries earlier this year, he said, Rick, I look at this as, hey, this is our opportunity to show how good we are. It's easy if you don't have adversity, you know. Um, but here we are, you know, can we keep this thing on the rails and keep winning even though, you know, their secondary was obliterated, um, really the only thing that's been whole all year is the offensive line and the quarterback. So, you know, they've, they've been able to even the practice, Cyril you know, Grayson is a guy that, you know, they've had on the practice squad for a couple of years now. And, and, you know, bringing back Brashard Perriman, genius, right? The guy, I was talking to Mike Evans. He said, he probably should have never left. I mean, in 2019, he had four of the best games I've ever seen. Um, then he went and got paid by the jets and he ended up, you know, bouncing around from Detroit, to Chicago, they brought him back. He's going to play a huge role in the postseason for them. Um, you know, going back to last year with Leonard Fournette, and you know, so I don't understand it. I see all these other names. I'm sure they're all worthy guys and worthy candidates. But it would seem to me like usually when you're a Super Bowl champ, people raid your staff, your coaching staff, and they raid your front office. Well, you know, Todd Bowles and. Byron Leftwich have a couple interviews lined up. I don't know if either one of them is going to get a head coaching job, and that's a good thing for them. But I don't, for the life of me, I can't understand why they haven't reached out to John Spitek. You know, so look, I mean, the last guy to leave, leave here is the GM of the Tennessee Titans, and they got the number one seed in the you know in in the AFC. So, you know, what do I know? I I guess it's good if you're a Bucks fan because you want to keep your personnel people together. But yeah, I I think there's a number of guys, including Greenberg, that you know that team should be talking to. All right, Rich asked, with GM's openings out there, would Jason Light have interest if a team like the New York Giants offered a VP of Football Operations position or something like that? Yeah, I don't I don't know about lateral moves. Like, could, could you come up with a title that that you know would somehow? enable you to interview or be a perceived promotion or something like that. I mean, they tried to shy away from that in the past because, you know, they were creating positions. They did that with coordinators for a year. They would, they would call guys coordinators and they were really just a good offensive line coach. And they had, they weren't going to call the plays because the head coach was calling the plays. Was, hey, we need Bill Muir or somebody like that to be our offensive coordinator, you know? Um, and then that way they could get him out of his contract. But I think in that case, the Bucks would have to get permission. And to be honest with you, Jason Light's not looking to go anyplace else. He's not. Look, the guy was blessed enough and assembled enough of a core of talent through a lot of trial and error, mostly error in the beginning, um, that he was able to, to hire two head coaches and Dirk Cutter and then get Bruce Arians. Um, withstand five years of Jameis Winston, which failed. Um, not make the playoffs for six straight seasons. I'm here to tell you, folks, you don't make the playoffs in the National Football League as a GM for six years. You usually are packing, okay? But Tom Brady shows up, 
and in part because of the of the team that Jason Light had built, right? In in large part. And the coach that he had on staff as well, which maybe, you know, Bruce has said he would only come out for a certain GM with if all of his guys were available to coach with him, and it just turned out that was true. Um, and they won a Super Bowl, and he got a raise, and he got an extension. So you're in Tampa, Florida. Real estate's going up for sure, but it's still not, you know, New York or California. And, you know, where else do you want to work? I, I you know, he's from Nebraska. There's no NFL team there. So I – you know, he's worked for a number of places, New England, Philadelphia, Miami. You know, it's a nomadic existence. Your kids are in school. They love it here. They're thriving here. Yeah. I can't imagine what it would take for Jason Light to go to the Glazers and say, I want to go someplace else. Now, has it happened? Yeah, it happened with Rich McKay. But it happened with Rich McKay because John Gruden won a Super Bowl and he had the hammer. And John didn't like Rich. And John wanted kind of his own control and to hire his own puppet GM, and he did that with Bruce Allen. And because he had won a Super Bowl, the Glazers were indebted to him, but they were also so indebted to Rich for building the thing and the stadium, and he was part of the Culver House Trust that sold the franchise to them, that they allowed him to leave with a couple games left in the season and go to a division rival and then come back and play them a couple weeks later. Damnedest thing I've ever seen. But that's unusual. So, no, I don't think Jason Light, that there's a job that you could create for him that, you know, he would have his, he would have his eye on at this point. I think he's and, – and Tom Brady's still here. So, I mean, you know, that's the other thing. Like, if you told me that Tom, this is his last hurrah and, and he could go and coach, I don't know who the next great young quarterback is, you know, or go and be the GM of the Buffalo Bills with, Jer- with, with uh, Josh Allen or – uh, San Diego or, you know, maybe. Um, but I, I'd find that really hard to believe. I know he loves it here. All right, Greg asked, I'd love to know what your percentages of these events happening are. Number one, Tom Brady and Bruce Arians return for a third season. Number two, the Bucks lose one or two coordinators this offseason. And number three, Tom Brady catches a touchdown versus the Eagles. As always, I'll listen to you answer these questions 100% correctly. All right, we're going to take this one in reverse because I will be 100% correct in saying that Tom Brady will not. There is a there is a 0% chance that Tom Brady catches a touchdown against the Eagles. Let's start there. Um, because they got a lot better receivers <laughs> than Tom Brady, and they're smart enough to use all those guys in the red zone. As far as the Bucks losing one or two coordinators, I think there's a – I think there's about a 35% chance that they lose one. I don't think they'll lose both. If I had to guess which one, I would say Byron Leftwich, because I think a lot of these teams have young quarterbacks. Jacksonville, obviously he's got a history with that franchise. Um, Miami, Tua Tagovailoa. Um, you know, just about anywhere you look, even the Giants with Daniel Jones, I guess. Um, certainly Chicago with Justin Fields. That offensive offensive play callers seem to be coveted more than defensive guys. That's just the way it goes. It's unfair. It may not be smart, but that's the way it is. So 
you know, Todd Bowles has been a head coach. He's 24 and 40 with the Jets. Had one winning season. Uh, closer to 60 than he is 50. I think he's a hell of a coach, but some people might just see him as a damn good defensive coordinator. Um, and even if you hire Todd Bowles and you're one of those programs, you, you got to know who are you bringing to coach this quarterback? Who are you bringing to develop my franchise guy? I know you can coach defense, but who's on your staff? And I think that's a tough, you know, more and more like they want guarantees. Like, no, that guy's coming with me. I know I can get him. Here he is. Here's my plan. It's, it's a hard sell sometimes. So much easier if you say, I'm going to run the offense the first couple of years. I'm going to be the quarterback coach. I'm going to call the plays. And I'm going to be the head coach because I want to get this quarterback on track. Um, but yeah, 35%. Tom Brady and Bruce Arians returning for a third season. Percentage of that, the package deal. Well, I will say this. If Tom Brady comes back, there's a 100% chance that Bruce Arians does. I think Bruce coaches as long as Tom Brady plays here. If you told me Tom Brady was going to not play here next year, I'm not sure Bruce Arians coaches. Now, I'm not sure he doesn't, but I think there's probably a chance, a percentage, and it would probably be, I don't know, 25% chance, 35% chance somewhere in there that, that he would say, I've, I've, you know, I'm 70, going to be 70, I'm not in great health, I've got this damn Achilles thing that's bothering me. I've got a lot of good coaches, including Byron Leftwich and Todd Bowles that could take over, and I'm going to give them the opportunity. I don't want to start over with, you know, Kyle Trask necessarily after winning a couple Super Bowls or after going to a Super Bowl and, and maybe going to two and, win, you know, um, I could see that, but percentage that they would both return. What you're really asking me is what is the odds that Tom Brady returns? Because like I said, I think it's damn near 100% that if Brady comes back, so will Bruce Arians. So if you ask me what is the chances that Tom Brady plays a third season, I mean, his health is the biggest is one of the biggest things, and so barring an injury in the playoffs – you can check that box. He absolutely can still rip it. I mean, come on, 5,300 yards, 43 touchdown passes. You could argue, and many will, that wins and losses notwithstanding because he's won 17 before. But this was the greatest. If Tom Brady retires, say he walks away, regardless of what he does in the postseason, you could argue he left the game, left the game at age 44. He left the game at the very top of his field. He's the he's a he's the pat he won the passing title. He had the most touchdowns, the most completions, historically the most completions. Um 150 more attempts. So he could sit there and go, "You know what? When I quit, I was the best quarterback in the NFL." Now people say, "Well, what about Aaron Rodgers?" And I, okay, let's look at Aaron Rodgers. I mean, Aaron Rodgers is great, right? Sure as hell didn't win seven Super Bowls. He won one. Um, and what Aaron is great at in particular, he's, I mean, he's one of the best throwers of the ball. But what, what really jumps out at you is just he doesn't turn it over, his efficiency, you know. And I heard, uh, who's it, Acho? I heard one of those guys on the shows who's talking about how, since when do we say, hey, 
you know, for the amount of records that this artist created, they won by percentage a lot of Grammys. No, we say, who won the most Grammys? You know? Hey, you know what? This dude only did a couple movies, and by percentage, he won the most Oscars. Nah, Meryl Streep's best actress. She won the most Oscars. She might have done a hell of a lot of movies, but you know what? Scoreboard. Well, to me, you know, you can look at the ratio of touchdowns and interceptions. They both won 13 games. Um, you know, uh, and Brady was tops and by a lot in passing yards and touchdowns and in, in completions. Hell, he threw 150 more balls than anybody in the NFL at age 44. So I don't know. I, I think it's a pretty good argument, but I think Brady is going to come down to his wife, his family. Maybe what he does in the playoffs will factor into it a bit. I mean, you could. I've gone back and forth. Like, well, if he wins another one, is that enough? Like, okay, so I won two in Tampa. That's the walk-off. That's the hang the nets, right, that Michael Jordan couldn't do because he had to go to the Wizards. Um, or would he say, you know what, I've won two in a row here. I bet I could become the only quarterback to win three in a row. I'm going to try a three-peat. You know, or if he loses, does he say, hey, we could load this up and I bet you I can get back there again and win it. Like, it's so hard to know. I mean, because you don't, I don't know what the discussions are with Giselle and his family. I know he's getting really, really close. I don't think he's going to play beyond next year. That I would, I would say there's an 85 to 90% chance he, if he does play next season, he does not play the year after. Like, he's done at 45. So if you're going to be done at 45, is there any reason you wouldn't just say, hey, you know, based on circumstance, maybe I'm done at 44. So I think I think there's about, and I might be a little high on this, I think there's about a 35 to 40% chance he walks away after this year. Well, that's still 65 to 70% that he doesn't. He is signed for next season. That means nothing. But, uh, so really, it's based on Brady. So if Brady comes back, and I think there's a, what I say, 65, 70% chance he does, I think Aaron's will too. But Rick, so when he wins the eighth this year, and then he comes back next year to win the third in a row, it's never been done. He's going to yeah. have to come back the next year to try to get 10. <laughs> I mean, come I on. know, right? <laughs> Could you imagine? Like, one for the other thumb, man. I got nine. Nine is not a, you can't stop at nine. Who stops at nine of anything, right? And he might, he might come back for that 10th one. You never know. Because he'd be thinking, I just won three in a row in Tampa, dude. Like, this is crazy. I can keep going. He has said, and I now believe him, it won't be physical. It won't be. You know, bar, again, barring a hit, you know, at ACL, somebody, I mean, you're one play away in the NFL, but his arm and stuff, he can flat out still rip it. You know, I mean, he can get it done. And he knows all the cheat codes and all that. So, um, yeah. All right, we'll end on this one. Casey had tweeted us. In overtime, if the first team to possess the ball kicks a field goal and the second team throws an interception that is returned for a pick six, does the touchdown count or is the play blown dead once the interception happens? Wow. I'm, you know, I, I, at the risk of being wrong about this, because I guarantee 100% always answered, I'd have to check the rule book. Well, but hold on. Before you do. It seems that. Before yeah. you check the rule book, I did for you, so. I do know the answer to this. Ah, okay. All right, let me guess. Okay, let me guess. So so they're up 
they kick a field goal and the other team possesses the ball, mm-hmm. right? And then they throw an interception. But the other player does not just go down ending the game, but he actually runs it into the end zone. Yes. Is that what we're talking yes, about here? So I got this straight. So do, does the other team the win, count? Does the team win by three or by nine? The, in my opinion, and I don't know, you got the rule. In my opinion, they win by nine if it's a continuous play. That is correct. The play, okay. the play stands as whatever Good. happens on the play happens. Now you do not kick the extra point, just like in overtime. No, if you no. get the game is over, you don't. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, game is over. But in a continuous play, you count the points, and that's a bad beat. <laughs> Can you imagine? Like if you had you had a team by three, and then they they ran it back in overtime and won by nine or something like that. It'd be like, oh, that would suck. Um, that's why I don't gamble. But uh, that's a great that's a great question. I'm glad you looked it up because I really didn't. I wasn't there very sure of my answer, but I, I think they count pretty much. You know, the extra points are not always not always an, a done. Um, but yeah, in that instance of continuous play, yeah, touchdown. Pretty cool and a bad beat for somebody, no doubt. All right, great questions as always. Well, you guys brought it today. This was this was a this was a tough one. Hope you uh, hope you enjoyed that. Hope you enjoyed the podcast. We'll uh, be uh, talking, of course, to Tom Brady, and um, have a chance. We talked to Rob Gronkowski already, uh, and, and of course, both coordinators, Byron Leftwich and Todd Bowles out at uh, well they're all zooms now by the way folks that's i could go on a rant about that but it wouldn't bother it wouldn't change anything um but we'll have a chance to talk to them after practice we'll see who who is actually out there what the latest update is on uh, levante david and others we'll give you all of that and the lightning continue tonight against the vancouver canucks so that'll be something for your viewing pleasure as well thanks for listening for steve verstick i'm rick stroud the tampa times have a great day everybody 